Earlier this week, at one of his noontime sermons, our Holy Week preacher, Tom Toole, reminded us that whenever crowds are mentioned in the Bible, they are almost always grumbling and murmuring. Crowds in the Gospels seem to be synonymous with discontent. And our Good Friday reading from the Passion according to Luke is no exception. In this reading, a retelling of the trials of Jesus before Pilate and Herod, the crowd is an assembly of the elders and the people, those who have brought Jesus to trial. And their grumbling is murderous. This crowd claims that Jesus is perverting their nation with his healing and his teaching, And only a few days after Jesus has exhorted them to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, the crowd claims that he is forbidding them to pay taxes. The grumblers in this crowd are so fused together in Luke's gospel that they cease to even have an identity as a crowd. After their initial identification, they are simply referred to as they. They brought him. They said. They began to accuse him. They were insistent. And this insistent, accusatory, pressing, heaving crowd, they move, as the New Revised Standard Translation tells us, as a body. More even than losing their identity as a crowd of people, they've lost entirely their identities as individuals. They are no longer priests and carpenters and fathers and sisters, individuals with dreams and agendas. They are just they, grumbling, murmuring body, hell-bent on seeing blood for a transgression they'd long forgotten the root of. They were very, the very definition of mob mentality. They had lost sight of their own needs and desires. They had lost sight of their friends and neighbors and were moving as one unstoppable force, a force that demanded death. We are familiar with this, are we not? Think of a time when you have just gone along with the group so as not to offend or be ostracized. Think of the history of our nation when we have veered so far in the wrong direction in order to avoid facing difficult truths. Some murmuring crowd always ends up on the wrong side of history. Mob mentality, groupthink at its worst, strives to make sure that the issue looks obvious. You're in or you're out. And if you're out, Harm will befall you. You better be in. Think like us, live like us, look like us, or else. And in this situation, with Pilate, it worked. Not wishing to incite any more violence than his turbulent region was already experiencing, Pilate did the minimum of what he was supposed to do as governor. He questioned the prisoner. Pilate questioned Jesus. He found no guilt in him. Jesus was innocent of the charges that the chief priests had brought against them. 
Pilate saw through the sham. Pilate wanted to dismiss the whole affair as a nuisance. But faced with the threats and the frenzy of the grumbling, murmuring, angry crowd, he caved. And the crowd got their blood. Not all crowds are out for blood. I think people, individuals, working together for a common cause of goodness, of godliness, can act as agents of positive change. Think again to the history of our nation. The civil rights era was a dark time for us. There were those who fought and screamed for oppression, who used violence and mob mentality to segregate, to separate, to thwart, to maim, and even kill. But there were other groups, too. There were mobs for good, groups of thinking, thoughtful people who knew, who believed that love would win. And it did. As a nation, we came out on the right side because of those crowds, the murmuring, grumbling crowds that would not let the madness of institutionalized racism continue. Now, I know, I know that not everyone is enamored with Facebook as I am. Bear with me. But I recently had an experience of groupthink that gave me some hope. As the Supreme Court this past week prepared to vote on marriage equality bills, a trend began on Facebook among my Facebook friends. Folks were swapping out their little Facebook profile pictures in favor of the human rights campaign's square red marriage equality symbol. So all down the left side of my Facebook feed, instead of all the little pictures of people that I know, were all these little red boxes. The effect was that more people then started to ask what that little red box meant. And then they changed their profile pictures as well. Soon, within hours from what I hear, thousands of people were expressing their support for marriage equality in a very public witness. For a day or so, Facebook, as I saw it, turned red. Red with support for the human rights campaign and marriage equality. Whether you approve of the cause or not, this is an example of people across great distances and disparate backgrounds, they're expressing their singular support for a cause they believe to be right. Group think, born of love, striving for love. Unlike the great they who screamed for Jesus' blood, we can work together. We can think together. We can stand together as a body to push our leaders into positive, lasting change. We can push one another into love. We can together draw the kingdom of God nearer. We are not called to lose our identities to the angry mob. We are not called to forget who we are, what we do, or who we hold dear. We are called by God to be fully and totally who we are, with integrity, not just a faceless little bit of they.
the lesson of the assembled grumbling crowd is that we have choices. We can work together to make change in the world, or we can give ourselves over to bloodlust and madness. For what are you murmuring and grumbling? For what are you allowing yourself to think as a group? Will you be a part of the crowd that thrives on the weak-mindedness of its faceless members? The crowd that calls for and receives death? Or will you join the body of those who rely on the strength of God to work for life, for love, for thriving?